We're jumping into this new series, Love Does, and as John just mentioned, every family gets a copy of the book Love Does. It's back on the table back there, and it's a great, great read, but here's how we kind of came about landing at doing this series. I want to give you a little thought or backstory, vision, whatever you want to call it, as we enter into 2016. Open life always provides opportunities for people to serve, for us to engage the community, for us to be present where it matters most in our community. But yet, what about that desire God has for each of us, you and me alike, to personally be sharing the love that reflects the character of God? How do we how do we encourage that, empower that, and celebrate your wins? of what's happening through you in the community. And that's kind of where we're going with this series. The power of our mission, Open Life, is is the collective story of people leading people and impacting people and just unconditionally loving others. And so we wanted to just jump in in 2016 and say, well, what if we just focus on love? And, And love does is a great read that kind of casts that vision. It's, it's a, a record of a bunch of stories of a guy named Bob Goff that, that are hilarious. Like chapter four, seriously, like if you've ever worked as a waiter, you'll get into the fourth story of this book and cry laughing. I did. I was, I was sitting at a Jiffy Lube or whatever I was, oil can Henry's, getting my oil, waiting in line to have my oil changed, reading chapter four, and I start to cry and laugh in the car, and I think they probably thought I was losing it or, like, getting impatient or something. They're like, what's, he's going crazy in his car, and, and I'm texting back and forth, Peter, who, going, dude, you're gonna love chapter four, you know, we're, just, we're laughing real hard, but uh, I, I just, I hope that we can inspire you, like I would say, to, to live out whimsy acts of love within community. Maybe that just in, in the next five or six weeks, it totally depends on how many 10 a.m. playoff games we have uh, as to how long this series goes, just a hint, you know. Um, read those notifications if they come this week, because if there's a 10 a.m. game next Sunday, we like to gather in homes. So just, just, just a hint, if you've not been with us before during playoff season when we don't have home field advantage. Uh, so we, uh, we think it's biblical to hang out. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. No, I just uh, So I, I look at this, this book and I look at the culture of, of being active and sharing the love that God has shared with us, with others. And I go, what if, you know, open life can be known not just for our name or our logo, but our love? What if you could recognize an open lifer by the way that they care for others around them? And because uh, it's, it's not a brand we're, we're, we're about, right? It's Jesus. And he loved us to the way nobody else can love us. And so I just, I look at this and I go, man, what if we could reflect that like genuinely? If we could show genuine love to the world around us in a way and just be aware that there are moments all the time for us to be a representative that love genuinely those in the world around us. So we're giving you permission to love people. Pretty simple series, right? Permission to love people, empoweringly, empowering you to do it genuinely as well, not just to check it off the list of must-dos, or should I say should-dos, of 2016. So... 
that said, so that's kind of where we came about getting into the meat of this series. And, and we're going to look at this story in Scripture that maybe you're familiar with, maybe not, but it's a story of um, the, the... Wow, I, I almost had a blank there. But the, the, the story of this good Samaritan, and we're going to hit it kind of, we're going to unroll it slowly over the course of weeks, but it's a story of how you can be the unpredictable lover of others, maybe in a room. And so our big idea, before we jump into that, is love is what God does for the talk today. Love is what God does. Luke 10 is where we find the story begin of the Good Samaritan. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus, right? Trying to catch him saying something that wasn't right or maybe was off a little so they could accuse him. And they decided to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What should I do to inherit eternal life? Should I do? Should do, right? Should. Catch that word should because I think a lot of us might ask that same question. Oh, isn't that a great sound right there? It's like somebody just took their fingernails and went down a chalkboard. Anyway, so, uh, but, and I have enough ADD that that's just going to be like squirrel the whole time. Um, so, you know, what should I do is back to the question. I can't believe I returned my track of thought that fast. But people sometimes view their relationship with God in a should basis. Like, God's given me this book called the Bible so I could figure out what I should do. You know, right? What should I do? Chances are you walked in here maybe thinking, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to have 100% church attendance for 2016, right? I'm going to show up. You are. Way to go, all of you. You've been here every Sunday this year. You're crazy. And, uh, and so you show up and you're like, I'm, because I should, right? I, I know I should go to church, so I'm going to start off right. We kind of have this should perspective. It's easy to view, you know, God instead of like, man, I want to, or I have this overflowing desire that, no, I should. I need to make changes because I, I should. Maybe some of you walk into the new year and you go, I'm going to eat better because I should, right? Or I'm going to stop this because I should. Or I'm going to do that because I should. And we approach God with this thought Instead of a relationship, it's kind of this, there's all these things I should do to make God happy. And that shouldn't be how we approach God. Isn't it easy to see that it doesn't work in real life if we kind of approach everything with a should mindset? Like you kiss your kids to bed at night because you should. (laughs) Right? Why, Dad, why do you... Why do you love me? Well, I guess I should, right? You know, it doesn't work too well. Uh, you know, you marry your wife. Well, I guess, <laughs> guess I should. It's Valentine's Day. I love you, honey. Well, thanks for telling me. Why would you tell Well, I guess I should. It's Valentine's. You know, that doesn't go over well if it's just a checkbox. Celebrate your anniversary. Well, because you should. I put it on the calendar, so don't forget it. Um, kiss your wife goodbye before you go to work because I should. 
I don't know. You shouldn't have. Oh, I mean, well, yeah, I should. You know, it's just, it's, it's the things we do. It's the, if we carry that attitude into life, we're going to get ourselves in trouble, like really big trouble at times. And God isn't a list of shoulds. That's actually religion. That's a religious spirit, if you would. The gospel is Jesus being the hero. And all the things that he's already done, right? He already came to this world, a virgin birth. He already gave his life up on the cross for us. He already rose again three days later. Nothing we do because we should will earn us a better favor or relationship with God to inherit eternal life. It's done. Jesus has done everything needed. And religion would say do, but the gospel says done. And so we really need to grab a hold of that within this series is the reality that God has already done everything needed. And out of that love and expression of what he's done in our life, then we can have overflow of love for others around us, even when they're the most unlovable and out of our comfort zone completely. We have the freedom instead of the should spirit, right? So Luke 10, 26, going on, says this. Jesus replied to the religious ruler, or the, the law guy, right? What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And this is found in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Here's the passages. Uh, and the Leviticus one won't pop up, but the Deuteronomy one probably will. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then it goes on later as a response to that uh, in Leviticus 19, verse 18, says, Do not Seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this law expert knew those passages, right? The guy has the right answer, of course, because he's an expert in the law. He knew the answer in the first place, and Jesus does what a good teacher does and asks a question instead of just answers him. And the guy comes up with the right response. And the response was to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as well. And then Jesus says this in verse 28, right, do this and you will live. Man, so until you like love, you really haven't lived? It's a pretty big response. And many people believe the gospel, again, is Jesus plus a list of shoulds. Like this, this guy is literally thinking, boy, these are the four shoulds I have to do. These are the, the shoulds I need to live by. But the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. And I've heard Mark Batterson say it, it Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The story of the Good Samaritan which we'll jump into next week and, and beyond a little deeper, isn't a story of you should be like the Good Samaritan. What if God's intent was to give us a story of a Good Samaritan which shows three guys 
walking by a gentleman who's been beaten, laying by the side of the road, hurting, and the most unpredictable person is the one who stops to help and care and love. And in fact, the one that everybody detested is the one who is faithful to care. And what if that story is not the Samaritans, not us, and what we should do, but what if the Samaritan is actually a picture of God, and we're the ones that find ourselves through life, through circumstances, through the world we live in being the ones that are beaten and run over and sitting on the side of the road just looking for help, and that help is in Jesus. Let's assume that for this series. Because God's showing us, hey, you can't do anything to earn this love I'm about to give you, but I'm going to give you love. Even when maybe everybody else found an excuse not to love, I'm going to, I'm going to love well. It's what Jesus has done for us. And we're trying to grab how much God loves us. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around what love truly is. And I think our culture, our world does that. Because we say we love everything. Like, we love our friends. You know, I, my eight-year-old daughter, like, loves three different boys <laughs> that she'll marry, like, today, probably, right? And uh, so, it's, you know, it's just the reality of uh, the world she lives in, in her mind. It's awesome. And she is a princess. She's all these things. She's, she's the cutest, most fun-filled life child in the world. But, you know, she loves everything. And, every, and, and the same with us. Like, we love pizza. We love the Seahawks. Can I hear that just from some Pittsburgh friends? Yes, I love the Seahawks. Anyway, uh, you know, just, you know, you go, you know, I, <laughs> Green Bay fans. Or, you know, some people somehow still love Oregon Ducks. I'm just saying, after yesterday. Uh, you know, I love coffee. Was that too painful? Did that just go too, too soon? Too soon. We'll move on. I love coffee. I love the Huskies, personally, so that's why I can say Oregon Ducks. Okay, I love my kids. I love my wife. I mean, because I guess I should. I'm just joking. Uh, I love, <laughs> this is a funny one. I actually had this thought and wrote it down. This is not a tangent. I'm not diverting at all. But I love it when a business actually doesn't skimp and they use good toilet paper in their restroom. I'm just saying, why put thin cardboard in there and what does that really take care of? Okay, moving on. Um, I love games. I specifically love games when I win, not so much when I don't. I like Catan or Carcassonne and some of those. I am on a losing streak right now, and it doesn't feel good playing Catan. But anyway, so I'm just saying. Uh, it's, it's confusing sometimes. Uh, and Jesus shows up in the New Testament. In the time that he showed up, there were three words for love. Their culture, that Greek language that the Bible is written in, has three different, like, levels of love, if you will, right? In the Greek, it's like eros, philea, and agape. And it's like, each is a little deeper, like, I love a football or pizza. I love my neighbor, and I unconditionally love, no, there's, it's not love if, it's just love, period, agape. And Jesus is interacting here, not in the eros like I love the Seahawks way. Jesus is interacting in the agape, like challenging love, period, for his followers. And answering this guy. He's introducing us to like real 
love. And that's why we really don't understand love in the world we live in. Because we just have one word for it. We treat it the same. And it gets really confusing to differentiate the depth of that word in our culture. Bob Goff, the author of the book that you, each family will get on your way out today, says the word or the world can make you think that love can be picked up at a garage sale or enveloped in a Hallmark card. But the kind of love that God created and demonstrated is a costly one because it involves sacrifice and presence. So God teaches us how to love by first loving us. He's not waiting for us to initiate this deal. He initiated that love for us first. God loves us and then says go and do the same. John, one of the disciples, he referred to himself. Like, it'd be crazy, right? If you're writing and you refer to yourself as the one Jesus loved. But he did. He wrote as the one Jesus loved. And uh, it, they, like most of the disciples, tried to kill him and get rid of him because he believed in the resurrection of Jesus and was threatening the government's rule and authority and the religious rulers of the day. And so they shipped him off to this They banished him to this island, right? And when he was on this island, he wrote uh, books like Revelation, which you'd think if you read Revelation in the Bible, it's the last book, you'd think, oh, wow, yeah, that's how he lost his mind on an island because that's a really crazy book. Um, And then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John he wrote as well. And eventually he gets off the island and people were able to receive, like, these writings, And he challenges, like one of the things he does in Ephesians is he challenges the church of Ephesus to return to their first love. To realize, hey, God first loved you. You need to return to your first love. And listen to what he wrote in 1 John 4 as well. And we'll kind of hit some of these passages today. In verse 7 he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Know is used by John 34 times. The idea is that there is a deeper knowledge that can be obtained, but not by learning. This deeper knowledge is by loving. By loving. And we think, man, if I show up and take notes and fill in the blanks, and again, you all have 100% attendance for 2016 and you're doing good. If you show up and you learn everything in the Bible, then I will be in a deeper relationship with God, but not so. It's using that knowledge we're gaining to love that allows us to experience this more in our relationship with God. John says deep is doing, deep is loving others. There's another, nothing deeper than the gospel coming out of our lives. God fills us with his love so that we can have a deeper relationship with him by spreading that love. So something we think, you know, sometimes we get caught on that love is knowledge thing. And, and uh, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And we need to grasp that as we continue. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 says this. See how very much our Father loves us. He calls us his children. 
And that is what we are. <laughs> it's just matter of fact. So if we're to understand how much God loves us, the love in us would overflow to others around us. So we're going to dive in and grasp his love this month into February as well. And we have some very fun stuff planned during the course of this series. Four things we can learn today about God's love for us that will help us love others genuinely. So thought one, God loves us with no strings attached. No strings attached. First John 4.10 says it this way. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Where's the strings in that passage? There's no like if or you'll get this love if you. No, it's just he loved us, sent his son for us. Done. Done. And God doesn't love if. He loves, period. And maybe this is how people feel about church. Man, I'll I'll be accepted if I go in, if I... Or I'll go to church if... No. Like, God's welcoming you in, period. There's no if involved. You're, You're welcome. Come as you are. It's okay to not be okay. We're all in good company in the scripture. The the Bible is an equal opportunity offender. We're all going to find corrective measures that apply to our life in it. And he'll just smooth that over with affirmation and love. God's love comes with no strings attached. Thought two. God's love drives out all fear. One of the things that keeps us from overflowing his love to others, honestly, is fear. We get afraid. What will somebody do if I take action at whatever their need is? Will they feel like I'm being charitable towards them and be offended? Or what if I encourage somebody? What if, do I need to be a secret Santa all my life? Or how do I do this? You know, we kind of take this approach and, and go, man, how do I? And so we get afraid. We come up with all kinds of reasons why we can't act. Why we can't do something. And God's love drives out all fear. It's easier the second time when we do something than the first time. But we need to act the first time. Whatever that is. I'm not prescribing anything. But the number one command throughout the Bible is to not be afraid. Whenever God shows up on the scene, you know, he's like, do not fear. And you're like, but you're a huge angel and I'm freaking out, right? You see these people, they're always freaking out. They're always afraid. The angel of the Lord shows up and they're, do not be afraid. And sometimes we get this relationship with God where we actually think that's like a a physical fear we should have. I mean, listen to Proverbs 9, 10. It says, fear the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And there's this thought that the fear that we have with God is like afraid fear versus reverence fear. God wants us to have that holy reverence fear. Like when he walks in the room, we're like, oh, God, I'm not worthy, right? That kind of fear, not the, oh, God, right? And I think we, can, we, we do our part to kind of skew. You know, in Scripture, we refer to God as like, 
Father God. And so sometimes we'll be like singing songs like, you're good, good father, it's who you are. And we'll sing songs like that and they're like, really? Like, because father to me is not necessarily a good relationship. Or maybe it's a disciplinarian relationship. So enter my home. So Dana, my wife, is homesick. She's got walking pneumonia, so pray for us. And uh, so, but she's, she's at home and trying to get well. And, but usually, normal world, like if kids are having an issue and they're talking to mom and correction is needed and maybe I'm at work, Starbucks, and uh, which I'm at a table sitting. I don't actually work for Starbucks. I actually just go there and get work done. So I am drinking coffee. And uh, so she'll, she'll call and it'll be, you need to talk to your son. <laughs> and so my four-year-old gets on the phone. Hi, daddy. You know, and, and I know if like he had to talk to me, there's a problem. What's going on? He starts crying because he knows like he's on the phone with the enforcer. And uh, so it's that kind of, you know, mom will go, hey, your dad's going to have to if you, right? So it's that kind of a, you can use that, leverage that. It's parenting. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it's the way we do it. But what if we're looking at God that way? What if that's our fear towards God? It's a, it's a messed up relationship. Because that's not the type of fear he wants us to have. He wants us to just be in awe of him. Enamored by his love. And... So that's the challenge we have. But yet, he's just. 1 John 4.18 says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And if this, this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So we need to get rid of fear. God's love doesn't breed fear in us. Thought three, God's love, or God loves and goes first. Honestly, this is my favorite point today. You know, I have my favorites. Can I have a favorite point? This is it. This one just really challenges me and speaks to me and says, that is so cool. We love each other because he loved us first. First John 4 9. He loved us first. And I think this is the challenge. This is one of those love challenges because we don't want to be the first to apologize. We don't want to be the first to forgive. We don't want to be the first to surrender. Right? We feel like, man, I lose if I'm first. But guess what? God's first. You're never first. He goes before you. Even when he's challenging us, for some act of whimsy love in the world around us. Be it as simple as buying somebody's lunch that, that has not have, they don't have enough money on their card. And you hear the fact that there's some financial challenge and you're like, it's five bucks. I got this. You know, and you, you pay for their lunch or whatever. If it's a simple, and it's not that you're like, um, I'll do that. By the way, my name is Thad. I go to Open Life Church. We have services at 10 o'clock on Sundays and Jesus loves you. I know. This is by... What if I just buy their lunch because, hey, I got, no worries. Happens to all of us. Like, that's love. That's just, that's unconditional, genuine love with, with no motives attached. And I think that work, you know, you're like, man, I'm glad I was here. But guess what? God was there before you. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us of this. 
It says, for we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So although it seems like a moment that's our idea, reality is we're set up. God put us there. Like he gave us this opportunity. And so we have the opportunity then to step into his will and do things that are just random and fun. And beautiful. And we get to do it as an act of worship to God. When we go second, it takes all the weight off. When we realize God showed up before us, the pressure's off of us. And we just get to surrender to this moment that he gives us. And I think that's an incredibly beautiful thing. Final thought. Thought number four. God loves through you. God loves through you. 1 John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. If you knew God... His love would flow through you. You can't know God and hate people. Now, we can have moments where we get angry at them. We can be, you know, concerned for them or have moments where we're flustered. But the challenge we have here is that we got to realize God wants to love through us. And really, we just need to get out of the way at times for him to do it. We need to stop resisting. So many say, I can't forgive them. And you know what? Of course you can't. Jesus can. And he did and does. And we just need to allow that forgiveness to flow through us to that other person. At no point in the Gospels does Jesus hate his enemies or duck away from people who offended him or judge those who messed up. Even on the cross, he pleaded the forgiveness of those who just crucified him. Wow. He simply loved no matter what. And God is loving through him. It's what he does. It's what God does. And you love God as much as you love the person you love the least. That's a challenging quote. You love God as much as you love the person you love the least. And that should challenge us. I can't love them anymore. I have, I have no love left, you might hear people say. Is that really God's perspective? He can't love me more than this or love them more than that. I mean, God just loves 100%. We need to receive that love. Love comes from God. And and so our action point today is literally just this simple. First step in this series, love does, is to receive God's love. And man, if we can't receive his love, how are we ever going to pay it forward? 
And maybe we're looking at ourselves in the mirror and, and that's why we can't receive God's love is we don't love ourselves. We're, we're having a self-image issue and we just need to have a correct view of ourselves through God's lens. I don't know where you're at or what the challenge is for you to receive God's love, but we want you to be inspired to love others. And in order to do that, you got to love yourself 100% by receiving his love. He'll change your view. He'll change your perspective. So I'm going to pray for you today to do that very thing. Maybe for you, that's, I'm going to choose Jesus today. I've never done this. I've never received God's love, and I've never chosen to follow Jesus as Lord. I've I've heard about him, but I didn't know he wants a relationship with me. He does, and it grows, and it gets incredible. Or maybe today that's finally just going, okay, I'm going to be open to this and I'm going to kick the tires a little longer, which will be like a week longer than I've ever gone to church before if I go two weeks, right? I don't know. I don't know where you're at on the spectrum. Or maybe for you, receiving God's love is looking at the mirror differently at yourself so that you can look at those in the world differently than you look at them. On the back of your connection card, there's an opportunity to share whatever really this is for you and I'm going to pray for you worship team's going to sing and if you want to fill that out and and help us pray with you this week about how God's challenging you to love, go for it share what's going on, we want to be there with you on your journey and as you'll see as well, we want to be with you as God inspires you to love others so you can go out and you'll see the bookmark inside your your book that you get will link you to openlife.church slash love does. And we want to hear the stories of whimsy love God inspires you to as you read that book. And as you're going through this series in year, man, I can't wait to hear your story. We want to celebrate and pray God would just fan into flame the inspiration for you to love others. So God, the first step of this is receiving your love. You make it very clear in your word. You first love us. You go first. And so we're reciprocating today simply by saying, okay, then God, I receive your love. I receive the love you give me and it's incredible love. So much so that you sent your son Jesus to live a life that ended so brutally on a cross But yet you rose again three days later, Jesus, to give us not just life now. You allow us to live, as Jesus even said to that expert in the law. Now we can really live. But yet we have eternal life by putting our faith in you, Jesus. So I pray that we would receive your love, not just the fact that you love us, but we'll receive that eternal love by choosing to follow you, Jesus. And we'll open our life up to how you want to love through us. We'll open our life up to viewing ourselves the way you see us. We'll open our lives up to the things you want to do in and through us. With every story we read in these books, with every series message we have during Love Does, I pray that we would be inspired personally to make an impact in the world around us like we've never done before. In Jesus' name I pray.